Hey y'all, this is May, and I want to welcome you to Crimes of a Decade, a Texas true crime podcast. This season, I will be discussing murders from the year 2000 through 2009. Today's story is of a female murderer from 2005. So grab you some Whataburger and open that Dr. Pepper. Let's go back in time to the year 2005. In 2005, Xbox 360 was released in the United States. That same year, serial killer BTK was charged with 10 counts of murder in Wichita, Kansas. Another thing that happened in 2005 was a man asking for a 7 a.m. wake-up call that he would never hear. Please join me in walking down Erie Lane. At 3 a.m., James Kelly called his wife, Marseille, who was working an overnight shift at the hospital to wake him up at 7 a.m. so he could get back to work. He owned a trucking company and had the day off, so he had stayed up late to work on some of the trucks and wanted to rest a few hours before getting back to the grind. But when 7 a.m. came, Marseille called and called again, but no answer came. She called her father-in-law, David, who lived next door to go check on James. He walked up to the door and knocked, waited, then knocked more forcefully. No answer. So he walked into the house. When he walked into the bedroom where James slept, he saw his stepson laying in bed with a comforter covering his face. He used his walking stick to poke James's foot, but there was no movement. He then forced himself to pull the covers away from James's head and immediately saw his stepson was dead. He called 911 and next called Marseille to tell her something very bad had happened. Police were already there by the time Marseille made it home. She acted rather calm as she walked up to the house and oddly, after confirming her husband's death, She walked casually into the residence, flipped through her cell phone, and fed the dogs all in the same place her husband was killed and whose body was still in the bed they shared together. The police then asked to speak with Marseille and asked if she knew of any enemies James may have. She answered, well, I mean, there's people that don't like him, but I wouldn't say enough to kill him. Though she was vague, the other family members whom detectives talked to all had one name they kept repeating, Shayna Suplavado, Marseille's 16-year-old daughter. Born in 1970, Marseille Kelly lived in a small town in eastern Texas. She was a rebellious teen who dropped out of school in the ninth grade. By 17, she was married, and they had two children together, Shayna and Caitlin. However, this marriage ended very quickly. 
When Marseille was 21, she met a 19-year-old named James Kelly. This was at a local street race, which Marseille loved to attend regularly. From that point, they dated off and on, even having children with other people. Marseille had another daughter, and James had two sons. But in 1995, James was caught violating his probation and was sent to prison. However, the two kept in touch during this time, and although James was in prison, Marseille would soon fall on her own hard times. The house Marseille was living in with her three daughters and mother caught fire one night, claiming the lives of her mother and middle daughter, Caitlin. Now, I wish I had more information to give you on this tragedy, but could not find any records or news articles on this house fire. Her oldest daughter, Shayna, was six at the time and really struggled with the loss of her grandmother and sister. Heartbreakingly, Shayna wanted to go be with her grandma and sister so badly that she tried to take her own life by riding her bike out in front of an 18-wheeler. Thankfully, she survived. She then went to do a stay at a mental hospital to work through her emotions. All of this really made Marseille take a hard look at her life, and she decided to take control and go back to school to become a respiratory therapist. James took stock of his life while doing his prison stay and decided it was time to get serious. He saved up his money to buy a truck and went into creating his own trucking business. Both moving on the right track, Marseille and James started dating again, and Marseille and her daughter Shayna moved in with James and his two sons. In 2003, 10 years after the couple had their first date, James and Marseille got married. Both were bringing in a good amount of money. As James had grown his business into a multi-truck business, and Marseille's income was growing at her hospital job. Enough to where she started up a side business of renting out bounce houses on the weekends. They were on their way to becoming a middle-class family. But sadly, the cost of this was spending more time working and less time with each other and their kids. This really affected Shayna. Shayna started to act out more once her mom and James married. She was 13 at the time and started to become a rebellious teenager. Marseille didn't help the situation as she let her daughter get away with stuff to compensate for her not being around due to work. James, however, saw Shayna going down the wrong path and did whatever he could to keep her on the straight and narrow. He became the strict parent, and with his parenting methods so different from Marseille's, conflict started to build between the two. Marseille later said, James was always trying to correct Shayna, more or less be a father figure to her. She didn't want that, and she would tell him, you're not my father. We had different ways of raising the kids. That was most of our arguments and fights. It's like he developed the attitude anytime I came around and you could feel when somebody doesn't want you around. Shayna moved out at 14, but moved back home a few weeks later. 
and Marseille and James decided they were going to be on the same page and become more strict with Shayna. Shayna obviously did not like the strict rules being enforced by both her mom and James, so she attempted to move out again in 2005 at the age of 16. But this time, Marseille went and brought her back home. Tensions kept building, and in October of that year, Marseille and Shayna got into an actual fistfight when Marseille asked her daughter to clean her room. Shayna pushed her mom into the sliding glass door, making her have a minor head injury. Police were called, and Shayna was arrested, which resulted in juvenile probation. This, however, did not curb her behavior. Shayna became more rebellious and even began dating a 23-year-old named Dallas Christian. He was a registered sex offender. Marseille decided to not pick fights with her daughter over this dating relationship. James, though, could not handle it, and fights were constant between him and his stepdaughter. Many times during the fights, Shayna would say, I'm going to kill you one of these days. After the police kept hearing Shayna's name come up in interviews, they pushed Marseille, and she finally helped to track down her daughter. Later that evening, Shayna went to the police station with her boyfriend, Dallas Christian. There she told investigators that she last saw her stepdad at 9 p.m. the night before and left to go drive down back roads and go down to the river to party. She was with Dallas and her friend, Colton Weir. In the next room, Dallas was giving the same story. The following day, the police asked Colton to come down to the station. His story was similar to that of Shayna and Dallas. But when they started to hear some inconsistencies in the stories, the police decided to press Colton, since he was the youngest of the three suspects, being only 15. When asked if Colton shot James Kelly, he nodded. Colton explained that the three had already planned on killing James Kelly, but were waiting for the right moment. In the early morning hours of October 23rd, Shayna, Colton, and Dallas drove to her parents' house. Shayna and Colton got out of the car, opened the trunk to get gloves and a gun, and Shayna let Colton into the house. She then got sick to her stomach and ran back to the car, while Colton continued on through the house until he got to the bedroom where James was sleeping. He held the gun up and pulled the trigger. After this, the three went back down to the lake and disposed of the gun and burned the gloves and some clothes. Colton had given them a confession, his accomplices, and where to find the murder weapon. But the investigators were still confused about why Colton would go along with this plan to murder James Kelly. Colton said in exchange for killing James, 
he would be given a new vehicle. The police asked. Shayna denied her mother's involvement, but she was the only one of the three to do so. During Dallas's interrogation, The last part was Dallas explaining how Shayna called her mom after the murder to let her know that they went through with the plan, the one that she had encouraged them to do with the promise of money and cars. Shayna, Colton, and Dallas were all charged with capital murder. And although they had two people implicate Marseille in the murder, they did not have any evidence linking her to the crime. And so that is what they set out to do. The police were able to recover the gun from the river and also locate where they burned the gloves and clothes. But none of these specifically linked Marseille to the crime. Then they remembered how Dallas stated Shayna and Marseille called each other after the murder. They looked up the phone records and it was confirmed that there were many calls between Shayna and her mom on that night. Shayna's attorney, John Heath Jr., told Snapped, Marseille's phone calls to Shayna before James was shot and after James was shot very much put her in the role of at least being a participant. This also led back to the only clue the police saw at the crime scene, which was James' cell phone lying open on the floor, showing a call to Marseille after James had already been asleep leading the investigators to believe Marseille wanted to hear the murder happen. Three days after the murder, on October 26, James Kelly's family had a small viewing before the funeral was to happen that evening. During the viewing, Marseille got a call from a police deputy asking her to come down to the station. Annoyed, she agreed, but when she got there, she asked how long this would take because she was hoping to get back in time for her husband's funeral. The police informed her she would be missing the funeral as she was under arrest for the murder of her husband. I would like to introduce you to Julie Castro. She is a home baker and owner of Timeless Creations by Julie, where she specializes in personalized and delicious decorated cookies, cakes, cupcakes, and many other desserts. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook and mention my podcast and you'll receive 15% off. Before their trials, Marseille, Dallas, and Billy Lofton were all held in prison. But Shayna, 16, Colton, 15, and Gary Batchelor, 15, were all held in juvenile detention. Billy and Gary were arrested on lesser charges connected to the murder. When someone between the ages of 10 and 16 gets arrested, they aren't taken to jail. Instead, they are put in a juvenile detention center. In the juvenile justice system, there is no such thing as bail. No amount of money can be paid by a parent to get their child out of detention. 
what they do instead for juvenile cases is have a detention hearing. The purpose of these hearings is for a judge to determine whether the court should continue to detain that child or release them to a parent or another responsible adult while decisions about their case are made. Or they can waive their right to have a detention hearing, which according to Prosecutor Stephanie Stevens is an option most take because their attorney or the child realize that at least at this point, it's a rather futile hope to believe they might be released. Shana was the only one out of the three to have a hearing, but the whereabouts of her biological father were unknown and no other family members could provide adequate supervision. So she remained in detention. Steven stated, a child who would commit a brutal act such as a murder is in need of supervision. Stevens now has to decide if she will seek adult certification, which means they would move the case up to adult court if the following factors are met. The alleged offense is a felony. The child was 14 or older at the time of the offense. If the alleged offense was a first-degree felony, a capital felony, or an aggravated controlled substance felony, or the child was 15 or older for any other felony. No adjudication hearing has taken place for that offense, and during a hearing, the court finds that there's probable cause to believe the juvenile committed the offense. But the state had time to decide, as Marseille was the first to go to trial in 2006. Her trial started on July 31st, 2006. The prosecution believed the motive for this murder was about money, a $100,000 life insurance policy Marseille had on James. Also, that the couple constantly fought about Marseille's daughter Shayna on how to discipline her. It was also brought out at trial that Marseille tried to solicit two other individuals to kill her husband. Marseille opted not to testify on her own behalf but Shayna agreed to testify at her mother's trial, completely throwing herself under the bus to protect her mom, stating her mom knew nothing about the murder. However, the jury didn't buy it, and after only two hours, they found Marseille guilty of capital murder, and she was sentenced to life without parole. Colton Weir's case was moved up to adult court, and his trial started in November of 2006. It took his jury only 40 minutes to decide he was guilty of capital murder. Colton was convicted on his 17th birthday to life in prison without the possibility of parole. In a victim statement, James Kelly's sister, Cassie Hogan, spoke to Colton saying, you are an evil coward for what you have done. I hope you sleep in fear for the rest of your life. I look into your eyes and I want to see remorse, but you give me this cold, hard stare and look at me as if I've done something to you. Shayna's trial was also moved to adult court. Her trial started in April of 2007, yet she did not testify in her own trial 
and was also sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Dallas Christian pled guilty to murder and was sentenced to 40 years in prison. Both Billy Lofton and Gary Batchelor were convicted for tampering with evidence. According to Prison Legal News, a wave of legal maneuvering is sweeping across the nation due to a deeply divided U.S. Supreme Court decision regarding juveniles serving mandatory sentences of life without parole. And a number of states have taken action as a result of the ruling. The High Court held in June 2012 that mandatory life without parole sentences for juveniles convicted of murder violates the Eighth Amendment's ban on cruel and unusual punishment. This change came after a 5-4 decision in Miller v. Alabama, which overturned life sentences imposed on two defendants who were 14 years old at the time of their murder convictions. The Supreme Court found that juvenile defendants cannot be treated the same as adults for sentencing purposes because they are cognitively different, citing their immaturity, impetuosity, and failure to appreciate risks and consequences. But it wasn't until 2014 when those changes would come to Texas, after a decision by the Texas Court of Appeals ruled that it was unconstitutional for juveniles to be sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Cameron Moon vs. the State was an appeal in 2014 that would change the juvenile system in Texas. Cameron was 16 in 2008 when he shot and killed 20-year-old Christopher Seabrake in a drug deal gone wrong. He was brought up to adult court through certification and was sentenced to 30 years in prison. But when deciding if he was going to stay in juvenile court or move up to adult court, the state presented no evidence about the factors the judge was legally required to consider before ordering transfer other than the fact that he was charged with a serious offense. Taken from an article in Juvenile Law Center, while the decision is a victory for youth throughout Texas, it is particularly so in Harris County where juvenile courts have a practice of rubber-stamping requests to transfer youth to adult courts. According to the Center for Children, Law and Policy at the University of Houston Law Center, statistics show that in recent years, Harris County, the largest county in Texas by population, waived more youth into adult court than the second, third, and fourth largest counties combined. And this was also good news for Shana Sepulvado, and Colton Weir. They both were able to get new sentencing hearings in 2015 and were both resentenced to life in prison with the possibility for parole, first being eligible for parole in 2045. I want to say a huge thank you to Prison Legal News Juvenile Law Center, the show Snap, and all the other great resources that helped me get all the information for this episode. I'll put a link to their work in the show notes. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Crimes of a Decade, a Texas true crime podcast. Please join me next week when we discuss a male murderer from the year 2005. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would love for you to hit the subscribe button I would also love 
for you to rate and review my podcast on your favorite podcasting app, as it really does help out. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me at crimesofadecade at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at crimesofadecadepod and on Twitter at crimesofadecade.